My name's Greg Knapp, and this is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride through all the headlines of the day. You can do it while you're going to work, coming home, or working out. Let's go. So, we're going to remember the 13 American military men and women who were killed last week, the special forces vets that are getting the job done in Afghanistan, even though Biden isn't. Biden needing more naps, but he is bringing America together. Wait until you hear how. We've got COVID hypocrisy continuing, and not only is Afghanistan a disaster, but so is our border. Will you hear how many criminals are coming across, sneaking in after they've already been deported? And Colonial Williamsburg going to do some reenactments of woke history. Oh, can't wait to see that. All that coming up on the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's get started remembering our heroes. These are the men and women who died in Afghanistan from the suicide bomber. They went to secure that airport. They went to bring home American citizens. They went to bring home Afghan allies. They went to take care of babies being handed over barbed wire fences. Riley McCullum, 20. Dagan Page, 23. Maxton Soviak, 22. Hunter Lopez, 22. Jared Smits, 20. Nicole G, 23. Darren Hoover, 31. Kareem Nikoi, 20. Johanny uh, Rosario Pichardo, 25. Umberto Sanchez, 22. David Espinosa, 20. Dylan Marola, 20. You know, the Wall Street Journal had a great editorial about this, and I, I'm just going to cite some of it because we need to remember these people. These, these are the best of America. People who are just willing to go because they really believe in what America stands for. They do believe America is exceptional because of the founding documents. That we do believe that all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. It's fashionable to poo-poo that now. And, well, yeah, but America didn't always live up to that. No country does. But we've lived to it more than any other country in the world. And it's an amazing country. And you might want to compare it to some others before you crap all over it. So Wall Street Journal. Nero, uh, Nicole G., recently promoted to Marine Sergeant, married to fellow Marine Jared G., only days before, she was the one that posted on Instagram a picture for cradling a little baby from Afghanistan and saying, I love my job. Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, had said he always wanted to be a Marine, committed in high school, level of dedication that he's never seen, said his dad. Lance Corporal Riley McCullum signed the enlistment papers on his 18th birthday. He'd been on the wrestling team, recently married. His wife is expecting a baby in weeks. His wife is expecting a baby in weeks, and he didn't have... None of these people had to die. The way this was done... Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it is Biden's fault. I, I, I don't want to say that, but it is. It is Biden's fault. The way this was done in Afghanistan is why these people are dead. Marine Corporal Hunter Lopez of Indio, California. His mom said, my son called me and told me the photo of him and this little boy that he scooped up. He carried him on his shoulders for five miles to safety. And he said, Mama, we're so resourceful. We hotwired a car and got back to base to be safe. 22 years old. 
But I love how the Wall Street Journal ends this. It says, look, these are the people who are showing us that millions of young Americans are still willing to sacrifice to defend their country and its principles. And we'll wager they didn't wait in the locker room when the national anthem was played. Yeah, they represented the best of America. God bless them and their families. Oh, meanwhile, how about some other best of America? Did you see this one? ABC News had this story. U.S. Special Operations Veterans. Not, not active because they weren't allowed to, but special ops veterans went into Kabul and secretly helped evacuate more than 600 Afghanis, the ones that were helping us. So they called it Task Force Pineapple. And about August 15th is when they got this started. A group of vets mobilized to rescue an Afghan commando who had served with Army Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, a Green Beret. He's like, we're getting this dude out. Now, the Taliban had already identified the commando, so they were coming after him, and they knew if they found him before we found him, that he was dead and his family. So they decided we're getting him out. So they basically made this an underground railroad to get people out of Afghanistan. An estimated 630 Afghan vets and their families eventually delivered safely to the airport because these guys did something, and they didn't wait for our government to do it. ABC News says, The effort since the Afghan commando was saved in a harrowing effort along with his family of six, reached a crescendo this week with dozens of covert movements coordinated virtually on Wednesday by more than 50 people in an encrypted chat room. We can't allow encryption. That's only going to help the, the criminals and the horrible. We have a right to know everything that's going on in your... No, the encrypted chat room, which Mann described as a night full of dramatic scenes rivaling a Jason Bourne thriller. Oh, this is going to be made into a movie. There was one engineer, a few conductors, as well as people who were performing intelligence gathering duties. The intelligence was pooled in the encrypted chat room in real time and included guiding people on maps to GPS pin drops at rally points for them to stage in the shadows and in hiding until summoned by a conductor wearing a green chem light. Wow. Once summoned, passengers would hold up their smartphones and it had a graphic of yellow pineapples on a pink field. See? It's a task force pineapple. Many of the Afghans arrived near Abbey Gate and waded through a sewage-choked canal toward a U.S. soldier wearing red sunglasses to identify himself. They waved their phones with the pineapples, were scooped up, brought inside the wire to safety. Others were brought in by an Army Ranger wearing a modified American flag patch with the Ranger Regiment emblem. One former SEAL complained to ABC. Our government didn't do this. We did what we should do as Americans. Another retired SEAL said of an Afghan veteran who refused to abandon his family and eventually led them all to safety, quote, leaving a man behind is not in our SEAL ethos. Many Afghans have a stronger vision of our democratic values than many Americans do. Yeah, one of them's in the White House. Oh, speaking of the White House, remember... Well, you know, not that long ago when one of Trump's people got in trouble because he used a military transport and he actually had to resign and the left was going nutso on it. How about this from the Washington Free Beacon? Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm last week chartered a military jet to attend a diplomatic summit in Ukraine as the Pentagon struggled to evacuate Americans and allies from Afghanistan. Really? We were calling in civilian airlines to do this, and she gets a military jet to go on a diplomatic mission, which they said did not have any national security urgency. Well, it's different. I mean, before it was with Trump. It's different. Now there's Biden. It's okay. 
It, 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 therefore, you don't have to worry about it. Just go back to sleep. Joe Biden, oh, speaking of, speaking of sleeping, we'll get to Joe Biden here. Joe Biden appeared to fall asleep while meeting with the Israeli prime minister. I don't know if you got to see this video. He is, he is just totally snoozing. Or as my dad used to say, I'm just resting my eyes. I was watching that. Oh, man, it was bad. He had his eyes closed, his head down. It was a good 30 seconds. The prime minister just kept talking, and I think he was hoping that it would wake him up. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to say, oh, Greg, I, he wasn't asleep. He was in deep thought. Really deep thought. Yes, very deep thought. I do that quite often, and it's called sleeping. So, but, you know, hey, listen, it's hard. It's hard to be president. It's hard when you have to go and oversee the transfer of the military men and women that died on your watch really because of you. It happened at Dover Air Force Base Sunday morning. He was there for the transfer of 11 of the 13 service members who lost their lives on Thursday. Now, while the president was there, standing on the tarmac, watching the transfer of the, of the bodies, he checked his watch. Wait, what? He checked his watch. You remember when George H.W. Bush checked, I'm sorry, yeah, it was George H.W., checked his watch during a political debate, and many people say that's why he lost the election? You know, you don't check your watch during a debate. It makes it seem like you don't want to be there. Uh, that's a little bit better than checking it while American men and women who died serving their nation are going by you in caskets. Greg, it was his Apple watch. And it was a text message, and it just, you know, he had to look down at the text message. I mean, he's the president. Greg, you have no idea what kind of things are going on with Joe Biden and in his head. Oh, you're right about that. But you don't know, man. I mean, you know, you got he might have had something he had to get to really quickly. Yeah, that's right. Oh, crap, 2 p.m. Mmm, time for banana pudding and nappy nap. Yeah, maybe that was going on. I don't know, but you don't check your watch during that. Five minutes to Wapner. Five minutes to Wapner. Hey, it's time to put a lid on Joe Biden's day. He needs sleep time. It's time to put a lid on his presidency. Meanwhile, talking about uh, presidents, how about o President Obama's former education secretary, Arne Duncan? Do you remember him? Probably not, because you really don't care, and I get you. But he actually put out a tweet comparing the suicide bomber in Afghanistan who killed our people in over, I think it's now over 150 total people, to people who don't want to get vaccinated. I'm not making this up. Arnie Duncan, here's his tweet. Have you noticed how strikingly similar both the mindsets and actions are between the suicide bombers at Kabul's airport and the anti-mask, anti-vax people here? No, I haven't noticed that. You know why? Because it's not similar. He goes on. They both blow themselves up, inflict harm on those around them, and are convinced they are fighting for freedom. This guy was our education secretary? Someone needs to educate him. All right. So, look, first of all, just so you know, I'm pro-COVID-19 vaccine. I got vaccinated. I think it sounds like a good idea. However, I also don't think I have the right to force you to do it. If I want to do it, I do it. You don't want to do it, you don't do it. Because I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're young and healthy. Maybe your doctor told you it's not good for you. Maybe you're a little worried that until very recently, none of the vaccines had been FDA approved. And as of now, only one is. Maybe you have really bad reactions to vaccines. Maybe you've got some underlying immunocompromising situations that aren't good to get vaccinated. I don't know. And it's not up to me to know because I actually think you have the right to some freedom in your life. But this guy is comparing you simply because you don't want to be vaccinated right now to actively, willfully 
purposefully killing people over 100, I think it's, like I said, it's like 195, 200, it's getting up there as they're counting all these dead bodies. And Arne Duncan, former Obama uh, education secretary, wants to say, well, you're very similar. You're very similar. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's real great. Uh, meanwhile, did you know the Taliban actually made Joe Biden and our military an offer before all this went down? Yeah, this is from the Washington Post. Man, they're finally starting to report on this president. In a hastily arranged in-person meeting, senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including Mackenzie, the commander of U.S. Central Command, spoke with the head of the Taliban's political wing, Abdul Ghani Baradar. We have a problem, Baradar said. We have two options to deal with it. You, the United States military, can take responsibility for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. Now, President Biden throughout the whole day had kept repeating to his people and his military advisors, we got to get out by August 31st. We got to get out by August 31st. We don't have the, 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 everybody out by. Well, McKenzie was aware of those orders. So he told Bardar that the U.S. mission was only to evacuate American citizens, Afghan allies, and others at risk. The United States needed the airport to do that, but not the city. So on the spot, an understanding was reached. The United States could have the airport until August 31st, but the Taliban would control the city. Now, there's no way to know exactly what would have happened if Biden had decided, we're going to keep the city. We're going to have a perimeter around the airport and make it much more easier to get people from Kabul in. Now, there were people outside of Kabul that still needed to get in. Imagine how much easier it would have been if we were controlling the city. And by the way, that doesn't mean you have to control every inch of it. It means you have to provide enough security with our military so that the local Afghan uh, officials could still take care of it instead of having the Taliban rush in and take over the city. And he decided not to. Oh, but hey, he is, he is bringing this all together. Here we go. There's an ABC News Ipsos poll. And um, uh, it's got Republicans, Democrats, Independents. We all agree. You ready? Here's what we agree. More than 8 in 10 of us say U.S. troops should remain in the country until all Americans are evacuated. 84% of Americans say that. Thanks for unifying us, Joe. Then we move on to 71% of us say that we should stay there until all Afghans who helped us are evacuated as well. And this goes across all party lines. 87% of Republicans, 86% of Democrats and independents say that U.S. troops should stay until all Americans are evacuated. But Joe Biden is still standing by his August 31st deadline. Mm-hmm. Illegal aliens are back in the news. They really have never been out of the news, but Afghanistan's been sucking all the oxygen out of the room, and you understand why. It's the biggest story going. There's no doubt about it. However, our southern border is still a mess Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida wrote a letter to the Biden administration. He goes, listen, I know they're not going to do anything I say, but I just wanted on the record that what they are doing right now is really hurting the states. They are abdicating their role of taking care of our border, and it's hurting us. So here we go. Uh, he wrote a letter that says they need to stop resettling illegal aliens in the state of Florida. Yeah, you realize we're flying illegal aliens all around our country, dropping off here and here and here and here. He said, look, you're flouting our immigration laws. Uh, while Floridians are working to ensure that criminal aliens are not released back into our communities, the Department of Homeland Security appears to be hard at work resettling ever larger numbers of illegal aliens who have no lawful status under federal immigration law from the southwest border to Florida. Floridians welcome responsible immigration that serves the interests of Florida and the American people, but we cannot abide the lawlessness that your department is aiding and abetting on the southwest 
border. Yeah, and by the way, he's also wanting to know about how many of these people that are coming over are testing positive for COVID. A lot. Somewhere between 20 and 30%, but they're just letting them in anyway. And we found this out. Over the past 10 months, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agents have arrested 8,691 known criminals who have entered the U.S. illegally through the southern border. Combined, they have committed 12,685 crimes in the United States. See, we don't even get access to the crimes they've committed in other countries. We're just looking at our own criminal reports, and that's what we're finding out. And by the way, we're talking about people who have been arrested and convicted of things like homicide, escape, money laundering, robbery, narcotics distribution, sexual child abuse, fraud, larceny, military desertion. Yeah, they're showing rape, child sexual abuse. Shh, see, you're not supposed to talk about this. You can't report the facts on any illegal alien who might also be a criminal because that makes you a racist. But isn't it true? Doesn't matter if it's true. The fact that you're pointing it out shows that you are a racist. So stop it. It's just, but, but that's a fact that has nothing to do with their skin color. Don't let the facts get in your way. You know what this is about. And by the way, Greg, you know, Americans commit crimes too. Yeah, I know. We've got plenty of Americans willing to quit, uh, uh, commit crimes. This is the job Americans will do. We don't need to have people sneaking over the border to do that. We've got plenty of people doing it. There's all kinds of arrests they've listed here, and we don't have time to go into it, but that is scary. But you know what we're going to do about it? We're going, the Biden Department, the, the Biden uh, Administrative Health and Human Services people have decided they're going to take millions of funds from the border that should be excuse me, millions of funds meant for COVID and use that for unaccompanied migrant children crossing the border. Wait, what? Yeah, $225 million in National Institute of Health funding, part of COVID-19 relief bill. They're going to use that. $364 million in HHS funding that was passed as part of the American Rescue Plan is also going to go to unaccompanied minors at the border. I mean, we got to have a priority sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the Department of Labor is going to spend $10 million of your money to advance gender proportionality in the workplace. Well, yeah, that's good, Greg. I mean, we should have gender... No, in the Mexican workplace. But American taxpayer dollars. Yep. Going to the Mexican workplace for gender proportionality. Yep. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means that you're trying to hire the same amount of men and women in the job. $10 million, your money. Mexico. Jen, Jen, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House spokesperson, she was confronted about a lie about the first dog. You know, Joe Biden's got a German Shepherd, three years old, Major's the name of the dog, and it seems to like to bite people. It was only one time. I mean, yeah, uh, March 9th, Jen Psaki confirmed that Major bit someone at the White House and caused a minor injury. The first family's younger dog, Major, was surprised by an unfamiliar person and reacted in a way that resulted in a minor injury to the individual. Greg, why are you talking about the dogs? Come on, that's not a big story. Well, here's why. The watchdog group, Judicial Watch, was able to do a Freedom of Information Act request, and they found out through emails it was eight days in a row that eight Secret Service agents were bit by the same dog, and that they were actually teaching them how to avoid getting bitten by them. Secret Service agents were provided safety measures. Panicking or running will only embolden animals, so stand your ground. Protect your hands and fingers by placing them in your pockets or behind your back. This was eight days in a row. So we had the New York Post reporter Stephen Nelson 
say this. Uh, uh, yesterday, the conservative transparency group Judicial Watch released Secret Service records on dog bites involving the first dog major. One email said the Secret Service agents were bitten every single day for eight days and that a White House visitor was as well. At a March 9th briefing, you only described one biting incident to us and described the dogs as, and that was inaudible, whisked back to Delaware on a pre-planned trip to visit family friends. Obviously, this is not the world's most important story, but it is significant because we expect honest information, even for minor stories. And this is the important part here from the reporter who's so dead on. So, can you explain to us why there was some kind of misleading account presented to us? And if we can't get honest information about minor stories, why should we have faith in the administration's account for larger issues like Afghanistan? Very good question. So I'm sure Jen Psaki explained, right? Yeah. Here's her answer. I know you do keep the dog in the news in the briefing room, so thank you for that. As we've stated previously, Majors had some challenges adjusting to life in the White House. He has been receiving additional training, as well as spending some time in Delaware. Blah, blah, blah. Didn't answer the question. How can we expect to believe you when you won't tell the truth on little things? Um, Twitter has suspended Alex Berenson permanently. Remember Alex Berenson? He's the guy that used to write for the New York Times. And now he's been coming out talking about COVID and talking about how, no, they're not giving you all the scientific evidence. They're spinning it to the way that they want to, to make you do what they want you to do. And so he's persona non grata with the left now, right? And now Twitter permanently banned him. Why? He said, this was the tweet that did it. He said, it's entirely accurate. I can't wait to hear what a jury will make of this. Here's the tweet. He said, he wrote that the coronavirus vaccine does not stop infection or transmission. He's right. If he means it doesn't totally stop it. There are people who are getting sick who are vaccinated. There are people who are transferring the illness who are vaccinated. Now, like I said, I'm vaccinated and I think it's smart. But it's not foolproof. So it's not a lie what he wrote here. He, he can, the tweet continued. Don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it at best as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy and terrible side effects profile that must be dosed in advance of illness. Now, isn't that all true? You got to get it before you get sick. It does have a limited window of efficacy. They're already talking about booster shots. It does have a terrible side effect profile. He didn't say everybody gets it. And it must be done in advance. What, what is in that tweet that's not true? And yet they've banned him permanently. You know, he, he said, information has never been more plentiful or easier to distribute, yet we are sliding into a new age of censorship and suppression. <clears throat> Excuse me. Encouraged by technology giants and traditional media companies. As someone who's been falsely characterized as a coronavirus denier, I have seen this crisis firsthand. He's right. But hey, you know, we can't let him, you don't have a right to read what he says. You might start thinking the wrong way, and we can't have that. You, you know, you might decide not to get vaccinated. We may have to take your child away. Oh, Greg, nobody's going to do that. Okay, Fox 32 Chicago. Rebecca Furlitt has had her child taken away from her because a judge asked if she was vaccinated. She said no. She no longer gets her shared custody. They had equal shared custody up until this point. Nearly three weeks now, she hasn't seen her kid. The attorney representing her says the judge does not have the authority to do this and is appealing the court order. He said, in this case, you have a judge without any matter before him regarding the parenting time with the child deciding, oh, you're not vaccinated? You don't get to see your child until you're vaccinated. 
Now, she says she's had horrible reactions to vaccinations in the past, and that's why she's not doing it. And this judge just decides on his own, you don't get to see your kid. Now, shut up and sit down. We're the smart ones. We're the elite. You're the dumb. You're uneducated. Get out of my office. Isn't that nice? And you know, at some point, shut up and sit down isn't a very good argument. Oh, and we have another COVID hypocrite politician. <coughs> Excuse me. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, you remember him, the guy that lets everybody just ride in the streets. On August 13th, he tweeted, Oregon's indoor face covering requirement is in effect as of today. Join me in making a commitment to protect those around us by wearing a mask at all times while indoors. And then the New York Times has a picture of him in a meeting indoors and no one has a mask on. Yeah, but we were eating and drinking. No, the picture just shows bottled water in front of them. So I guess I could walk around all day with bottled water in my hand and then just say, you know, I, hey, I, I, I'm eating and drinking. You know, what this really tells you is they don't really believe what they're saying. If you really believe that, that you must be masked to save lives, then wouldn't you be wearing it all the time? If you really believed it was this big of a deal, you would, wouldn't you? No, what they really say, we have the right to control you and tell you what to do because you're too dumb to know how to live, but we get to do whatever the hell we want. And finally, the Miami Herald. Are you ready for this headline? Florida COVID update, 901 added deaths, largest single day increase in pandemic history. And the South Florida Sun Sentinel, similar headline, 901 new deaths. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't in a single day. If you got down deep into the article, you could see exactly what happened. But but before we get there, you realize the biggest deadly day in America was January 7, 4,489 new coronavirus deaths on that day, right? Deadliest day for the United States. So 901 would be crazy for one day in one state. But here's what it really said down deep in the article. Florida on Thursday reported 21,765 more COVID-19 cases and 901 deaths. All but two of the newly reported deaths occurred after July 25, with about 78% of those dying in the past two weeks. So it wasn't one day? No, it wasn't one day. They reported it one day, but it was weeks of data. In fact, the day the Miami Herald published that article, there were eight COVID-19 deaths reported in Florida. The seven-day moving average was 53 deaths. That means about seven or eight a day not even close to 901. But hey, it was just a headline. I mean, the article told the truth. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience.